Now, I know I said I wouldn't be posting new episodes, and these aren't technically new. You'll see. What I want to chat about today is misdirection. There are two types, intentional misdirection and unintentional misdirection. Intentional misdirection is what magicians use. They direct your attention away from the source of their trick. This occurs in sales and marketing too. For instance, in North American home sales, one common sales objection is fire hydrants on the lot at the front of someone's house. For the most part, customers don't like having a fire hydrant on their front lawn. So a clever salesperson could then overcome this objection by pointing out some of the advantages. For one, at least you don't have to worry about people constantly parking in front of your place, or worse, blocking your driveway. As well, if you need to run in quick, or have groceries to drop off, you're almost guaranteed to have a permanent area you can momentarily park your car. In some places, maybe you could even save a bit on insurance. In this case, the salesperson is directing the person's attention away from the disadvantages to the advantages. The other form is unintentional misdirection. Allow me to explain by using an example. We briefly discussed religion back in episode 33, and we said that religion is not impeding the spreading of this crisis message on the subject of sustainability. Here is just one example. You can check out the website vaticannews.va, that's vaticannews.va, and check out the Pope's own words and concerns on the subject. Quote, Today's ecological crisis, especially climate change, he said, threatens the very future of the human family. The Vatican has also matched their wording to what the United Nations is calling it, a crisis, a global crisis. So I want you to keep this in mind as I discuss the next part. Let's say you are a media correspondent in charge of translating and simplifying concepts for the general public. The public relies on you to understand what is going on in your field. Now let's say your field has discovered evidence suggesting environmental collapse, and you feel not enough is being done on the subject. So you take it upon yourself to try and help communicate the crisis message. And then, for some unbeknownst reason, you decide very early on in your campaign to indirectly insult a particular religion that has publicly agreed with the statements made on the environmental crisis. I'm not here to name names, but this happened. While I understand there are possibly other factors that led to this decision, Perhaps there are some niche geographical areas who was really your intended audience, but globally, you have potentially insulted a lot of people. How is this helping the delivery of your crisis message? Feel free to read more in the book Crisis Communications by Stephen Fink to understand just how delicate communications are during a crisis. During the course of my diagnostic, I had the opportunity to ask former climate change deniers what it was that made them change their minds. One response really stuck with me. This person provided three reasons why they used to be deniers. The first two are probably no surprise. 
it pertained to the misinformation, and the fact that there are many people who use stories like these to promote other agendas. But it was the third thing that was interesting, and it was the first point they mentioned. They mentioned that they felt there was a pretentious attitude coming from those who attempt to share info on climate change and sustainability. Now, some listeners might have mixed responses to this. Some may be in agreement that there are pretentious or even arrogant attitudes that appear to be very prominent among some fields. Some listeners may be in disbelief that a person allowed these pretentious attitudes to cause them to be in denial of a very serious problem. Some may believe that this pretentious attitude does not exist, or worse, on the other side of the spectrum, not only do they think it exists, they believe it's justified. Regardless of your own opinion or perception on the matter, the fact is there is a percentage of our global population who don't exactly take too kindly to being insulted, and this can then affect some of their opinions over matters such as climate change. We mentioned before how the oil company BP should have deferred to the expertise of crisis communicators, see episode 31. Do you possibly think there would be any benefit to these types of correspondence doing the same? When a large business is undergoing a crisis, they typically have either one person or a small group of people in charge of public communications. Globally, we are in a crisis. And yet, where are our crisis communicators? I'm asking you. This is only further proof of the communication problems we have outlined in great detail. Alright, let's move on to a different media correspondent from the same field and the issue of flat earthers. Now, I'm going to go ahead and hazard a guess that 99% of people out there do not believe the earth is flat. This means the number of flat earth believers are less than 77 million people globally. It's probably a lot less than that, but whatever. So 99% or more of the earth believes without question that the earth is round. And keep in mind, there is a global crisis message with its source coming from your field. The field you are in charge of correspondence for, whether this position of correspondent was formally given to you or not. Here is my question. Do you think it would be more intelligent and effective to focus on communicating this crisis message rather than engaging in a debate with a very small minority of the population over the geometry of our planet? I'm asking, which of these two choices seems more intelligent? Because I've got news for you. The United Nations Global Crisis Message in 2018 has 20,000 views. A quick glance at just one of these flat earth responses from one of these correspondents has over 4.5 million views. Over 200 times more views. Now why is this? That's up to you to decide, but back in episode 8 we discussed the issues of irresponsible journalism. Well, you need to decide for yourself whether there is much point in engaging with flat earthers when there is a global crisis occurring. This would be a terrific example of what I call unintentional misdirection. We are battling constantly for people's attention these days 
due to an overwhelming saturation of information. See one of our YouTube vids under the channel name Viable Underdogs for more info. There exists a crisis message, and some of the people in charge of communicating this message are too busy insulting religions and or insulting people's intelligence by implying we need to be reminded that our planet is round. Unless I'm out of line, if you, as a listener, benefited from this reminder that the Earth is round, then please ignore me. Now, maybe some would make the argument that there are some prominent celebrities that have commented in the past saying they believe in flat Earth. And some then may feel the need to counter these types of statements, since a celebrity's opinion, sadly, can carry a lot of significance and influence in our world, no matter how erroneous their facts are. But in the video countering arguments made by flat earthers, two hypotheses were made by this correspondent for the reason of the existence of flat earthers. The first was implying a need for censorship over free speech. The other blamed education systems. I'd agree our education systems need updating, though probably not for the same reasons implied in the video. Okay, if we can get back to focusing on our global crisis message, let me put this flat earth problem to bed once and for all. You can check out episodes 22, 23, and 24, as well as a few others, for where I'm going with this. According to Everett Rogers, there exists a minuscule amount of our population that refuse to change their minds regardless of how much evidence is presented to them. This can even occur in science, as we have demonstrated. The existence of flat earthers was likely always there. The reason you are now hearing more about them is that the internet afforded them the ability to locate and communicate with one another. The fall of journalism, see episode 31, means that this type of clickbait story becomes necessary for some outlets to run so they can remain profitable. This, in turn, means the story gains more exposure from journalists. Then, this can lead to people assuming the group is much larger than it is. Then, science correspondents weigh in on the issue, which, in my humble opinion, is completely unnecessary. This means they do media interviews and upload videos on YouTube. Then, the story is once again picked up by media since it's popular. Then, this creates a false public perception because the story has become much larger than it ever really had a right becoming. Then, and this is quite ironic, the additional exposure invites more people to join these groups. And this ridiculous cycle repeats itself until we reach a point where a YouTube video about flat earthers has millions of views and a global crisis message is largely ignored. It's not exactly complicated, and as a species, we are very social animals. These flat earthers enjoy networking with one another, and while I agree, in some respects, this style of thinking can cause problems, such as anti-vaxxers and the resurgence of problems this has caused, but really, to imply our education system has failed us to such a degree that more than 1% of our population anywhere truly believes the earth is flat is quite the insult to all the hard-working educators out there. And implying the need for censorship seems quite drastic, not to mention ridiculous.
Yo, why did your country start putting bans on free speech? Oh, one of our science correspondents felt it necessary since less than 1% of our population believes the Earth is not round. Globally, we have been the victims of unintentional misdirection. The Vatican, the United Nations, The Guardian, NASA, National Geographic, and countless other organizations are calling it a crisis. And meanwhile, some of our correspondents, who should be taking the lead, are too busy debating tiny fringe science groups or insulting systems of belief than focusing their undivided attention to making sure we receive this global crisis message. Maybe I'm being unfair in this episode, but as always, that's your decision to make. I don't expect anyone to agree with 100% of what I say on the show, but hopefully you agree to help spread this crisis message. And at the end of the day, that's all I ask of you. Cheers.